God is going to do something very special here, I believe, tonight. I feel like the Holy Spirit's moving in a, in a beautiful way. And uh, when we had our prayer meeting upstairs earlier, I just felt God gave me a little bit of uh, Psalm 23 um, to share. I'm just going to read it and then I'm going to share what I feel the Holy Spirit's saying this evening. Um, so this is taken from, I think, verse 5. <laughs> it says, Even though I walk through the sunless valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod to protect and your staff to guide. They comfort me and console me. Listen to this bit. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed and refreshed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy and unfailing love shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell forever throughout all my days in the house and in the presence of the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that just beautiful? The bit I felt that the Lord was saying he was going to do, oh, this evening. Um, I felt like... Um, the Holy Spirit's just saying that he, he desires us maybe this evening, take my glasses off, he desires this evening for maybe some of us to reposition ourselves slightly. Maybe there's things that we're carrying in our lives. Maybe there's things that we're holding on to. And because that we're holding on to these things that maybe aren't really doing us much good or weighing us down or bringing limitations, Maybe can't, God can't quite fill us to the extent he needs to fill us. Do you know what I mean? And, and I feel like God's saying maybe this evening for some of us, including myself, I have to have a little think about what I might need to let go of to be able to reposition my, myself open-handed before him. So I'm not holding on to these things that limit me and, re and, and uh, you know, just um, pull me down and drag me back. I'm, I'm freeing myself from that and I'm repositioning myself open-handed, open-hearted so that I can receive all that he wants to give me. Amen. He wants to fill our cup to overflow. And this, this is what it says again. I'm going to have to put my glasses on. <laughs> Got to that age. Um, my cup overflows. You have anointed and refreshed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy and unfailing love shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell forever throughout all my days in the house and the presence of the Lord. Amen. I just feel like we perhaps need to go back into that song. Is that okay? Yeah. And maybe during this song, we just say, okay, God, will you just highlight to me? some of the things I might need to let go of, some of the things that are limiting me, some of the things that are holding me back. And God, I want to be open-handed and open-hearted to you so that you can fill me to overflowing. Amen. Who doesn't want that this evening? I know I want that. Amen. So let's, let's stand. Is that all right? And, and let's sing this again. And let's be expectant that God's going to do some special stuff in each of us this evening. Amen. 
thank you, Father. Father, we just want to thank you for all that you've already done tonight. It's not the end. Father, you're speaking to us. You're sharing with us. Father God, I thank you. You're so personal. You're so personal, Lord. And Father, would you just continue to personally speak into our situations, things we're going through, battles we're facing, Lord. Father, I pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. That was absolutely amazing. Just a real sense of God here tonight. It's it's great. I'll tell you what I got, actually. I got something, and this ties in really with what I'm going to be speaking on. As Danny was sharing, I kind of got this. I must have read Psalm 23. It's one of those Psalms, isn't it, that you kind of, if, if if you've got a Psalm on a wall... Um, as a picture, it's Psalm 23. I mean, anyone, even, even the people that don't even go to church know Psalm 23. It's one, of those, it's one of those incredible psalms, but I'm kind of looking at it, and I've just seen something fresh. It says this, Even though I walk through the valley of death, I'll fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and staff comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Where is the table being prepared? In the valley of the shadow of death. In the valley of the shadow of death, isn't like he walks through the valley of the shadow of death. He doesn't say, and when I came out the other end, you'd prepared a table for me. He says this, in the valley of the shadow of death, I won't fear because your rod and your staff are with me. In fact, it goes beyond that. You've prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Where are the enemies going to be in the valley of death, right? And it says this, even in the difficult circumstances, the troubles that you're facing, the issues that you're going through, even though you think there's death all around you, enemies all around you, it's in that place. Not only will I comfort you, but I'll bless you. Not only will I comfort you, not only will my rod and my staff be a comfort to you, but I'm going to prepare a table for you so that all your enemies, all the things that are going wrong in your life, will see that I'm blessing you in the middle of that situation. When you're going through difficult times and difficult circumstances, I believe those are the very things where God births testimonies. You've got to go through a test to get to a testimony, right? Otherwise, all you've got is I'm only. You have to go through the test. Because at the end of that test, you get the testimony. The testimony is that God is preparing a feast for you in the valley of the shadow of death, in the presence of your enemies. Because that's how God works. How often is it that we want God to do things when everything's going great? But actually, the deepest and the most personal testimonies come in the middle of those battles and those dark times. Amen? Hold on to that, because I'm going to go back in a minute and, and, and speak around that. But uh, first of all, let me just say, let me introduce myself. It's great to be here. Um, my name is Tim, as, as was said, and that's Danny, my wife. We pastor Gateway Church, which is a church with two sites in Fairham, and uh, on the edge of the New Forest. We call it the water site, it's not quite in the New Forest, but it's just on the edge of the New Forest there. And uh, we have two children. We have a 22-year-old daughter and a 19-year-old son. Our 22-year-old daughter is one of the worship leaders at our Waterside um, site. Uh, she studied at Bethel in, um, in California. 
um, and did praise and worship and, and is involved in all of that side of things. My son, Joseph, is in Sydney at the moment. We're missing him, but he's at Hillsong studying um, a Christian leadership um, and, uh, yeah, all the great things of, of living in a, in a city like Sydney, although the weather's rubbish, right? It's great. And we like, we like taking pictures of the sun here and sending it over to him. So, uh, yeah, they just, it just rains basically all the time right now in Sydney. So, um, yeah, that's a little bit of a picture of us. My wife always says, why don't you tell them? Why don't you tell them about us? You get so excited to get stuck into stuff. But nobody knows who we are. So, uh, yeah, anyway, that's the bit done where I've said that. I've ticked that box. And now we're going to get stuck in to the exciting bits. Right, if you've got your Bibles, turn to um, Judges. Often when people come and do visiting speaking, um, you can sometimes get the best of their preachers and they kind of pick one out and want to share it. I want you to know, though, that this is fresh from the oven. Um, This is something I've really prayed about and sought God for. I felt God really give me this scripture for you guys. I think prophetically, God's really wanting to bring something this evening. He's already bringing something this evening, which just ties so much in already with, um, with what I felt God's given me to speak about. So really excited about what God's going to say through all of this. Judges 6, 11, and this is the, the story of Gideon. You may have, have read it a number of times, but I just want to draw some stuff out of it. And again, I just feel God's prophetically saying something into people's lives this evening through this. And Judges 6, 11, the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak in Oprah that belonged to Joas, the Azrabite where his son Gideon was thrashing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Just to give you a bit of a background here, the Midianites have swarmed, it says, like locusts upon the land of Israel. And, and, and Israel's just in famine. There's, they've taken everything. There is, they're just in that really dark place where everything is going wrong. Um, they're hiding away. And you've got Gideon here hiding in a wine press, thrashing some, some wheat um, in order to keep it from the Midianites who are all over the place at the moment. And when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Do not, Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us. And given us into the hands of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of the Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I'll be with you. And you'll strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. I love this altercation. I think it's, you know, ever since I was a kid, I kind of just loved this scenario where God kind of just appears to Gideon and totally disregards any excuses that Gideon has. Um, and you see an encounter here where two people are seeing things from completely different perspectives. You've got God coming to Gideon and seeing Gideon the way he's created him to be. Seeing Gideon in regards to the future that he knows he's got. And then you see Gideon replying based on the circumstances that is facing. 
the situation that he finds himself in. I don't know about you, but, but when I look at the world and I, when I read the news right now, it isn't all positivity, right? We're just coming out of a pandemic that kind of still blows our minds. We still can't believe we went through the last two years and the lockdowns and all that sort of stuff. And just when we think we're coming out of that, we've got a war in Europe. Just when we think that can't get bad enough, suddenly there's this cost of living crisis that we're in the middle of. And on top of that, there's this overarching thing that's happening with regards to the environment and and all that kind of stuff. And you can look at the news and just be like, oh my goodness, look at all this stuff that's going on. Look at all this negativity that we're in the middle of facing. And that's where Gideon finds himself. It looks different for Gideon. It's all about the Midianites that are causing the problems. It's not a pandemic. It's not a cost of living crisis. It's not a war in Europe. It's not all the other stuff that we're facing. But at the same time, he's still in that place of darkness, that place of the shadow of death, where he's hiding away and he's doing, and he's, and he's got his wheat there and he's just keeping it to himself. If I hide away, maybe I'll survive. As Christians, we can sometimes have this mindset, right, that actually if we hide away, maybe we'll survive this. Maybe we'll get through this. Maybe if we, if we can just hold on long enough, maybe things will change. Maybe situations will change. Maybe circumstances will change. Yet God comes in the middle of that crisis and suddenly brings direction and vision. In the middle of that crisis, in the middle of the time when everything is going wrong, that's the time of breakthrough for Gideon. That's the time of breakthrough for the children of Israel. That's the time where 2,000 odd years later, 3,000 years later, we're reading about this and we're still getting stuff out of it. It would never have happened if the Midianites hadn't swarmed. But because the Midianites had swarmed, because they found themselves in the valley of death, That was the very ingredients that God needed to bring about a miracle. I believe where we are right now in our circumstances, with everything looking bleak and everything looking dark, the church is here and God's coming and saying, you know what, everything, all the ingredients for the miraculous are here. All the ingredients for revival are here. All the ingredients for the impossible are here but I need you to think differently to how you might be thinking. I need you to see things the way I see them. Gideon's greatest moment came when he was hiding away in a wine press, but he didn't get it. There had to be a conversation. He didn't see the things that God was seeing. I've got three areas that God saw things differently to the way Gideon was, and maybe that's where we're at right now. Maybe God's wanting just to kind of refocus our attention, not on the issues, not on the problems, but on the miracles he's going to do through you and through his church. My first point is this, Gideon was focused on the circumstances, God was focused on the solution. Gideon was focused on the circumstances, if you're with us, it's like God's come and said, look, I'm with you. There's an angel, this, this incredible supernatural encounter takes place with Gideon. His calling, the very thing he was born for, is birthed right there in front of him. And his excuse is, well, if God's for us, have you seen what's going on right now? 
I don't know about you, but there are times in my life when God comes and says, Tim, I am so with you. And I'm like, yeah. Have you seen what's going on in my world? Yeah, Tim, I'm so with you. Yeah, but, but God, look. Look at the issues I'm facing. Look at the circumstances I'm having to go through. Look at the valley that I'm having to walk through at the moment. And God's there going, yeah, but Tim, I'm with you. And if I'm with you and if I'm for you, and we know this through what Paul says in Romans 8, who can be against you? I love it when God asks those questions because we kind of know the answer, right? He didn't ask the question because he wants you to educate him. He, wants, he asks the question because he wants you to remind yourself of exactly what it is and who it is that you're doing life with. Gideon's, yeah, but you, you, you can't see. Look, look what's happening. The Midianites have swarmed as if, where is the God that produced the miracles? Where is the God that, that did all of these great things that our ancestors told us about? Where is the God? And, and God's there going, well, yeah, here I am. Guess what? When I moved with for your ancestors, guess what your ancestors were facing? Tough situations, right? Tough situations are the ingredients for the miraculous. We want the miracles, but we don't necessarily want to go to the places where the miracles need to take place. Here Gideon is in a place where he needed, the nation needed the miraculous to take place. And God comes and says what? You are the solution. Take responsibility for it. You're the solution, Gideon. I believe prophetically maybe God's saying some things to some of us when it comes to our workplaces, when it comes to our communities, when it comes to the situations we're finding. Maybe God's coming to us and saying, you know what, in the middle of these dark times, I'm calling you to be the solution. I'm calling you to step up and show people who I am. Show people the hope that I bring. Show people the peace that I can bring into hopeless situations. Maybe today is a day in the middle of the darkness where actually we can have that light shining bright that is undeniable for people around us. But God chooses us, not the person next to you. He chooses you. Maybe this is your moment. My second point is this, God, uh, Gideon saw the weakest, God saw the mighty. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says this, we're the workmanship of God created in Christ Jesus to do great works that he's predestined us to walk in. We're the workmanship of Christ Jesus. Gideon didn't see the workmanship of God, what he saw was that he's the weakest, he's the smallest, my clan's the least. All these excuses of why he can't do it. But yet God comes and says, actually, I'm not speaking to you based on who you think you are. I'm relating to you based on who I know you to be. Sometimes if you don't hear God speaking to you properly, maybe you just don't recognize who it is that God's speaking to. 
Often it's the times when I feel God's gone quiet in my life where actually I just refuse to be able to base my relationship on him, on, on who he says I am. Instead, I base it on my failings, on my situation, the stuff in my life that's not right. And God comes and says, you know what? I'm speaking to you based on who I see you to be. This is who I'm. The breakthrough has to happen in you before it happens out of you. The breakthrough wasn't the fact that he was in the valley of the shadow of death. The breakthrough was that God was doing something in the valley of the shadow of death. For, for, for Gideon, it wasn't that suddenly Gideon came out of that situation and his whole world was changed. The breakthrough happened in Gideon, and it took a lot more than this. I mean, Gideon was like totally, totally negative bloke. I mean, I don't know what's happened in his past, but there were some major issues there. Because even when he saw the miraculous take place, he doubted it. So much so, and, and often we kind of have this fleece scenario, the fleece, if you put a fleece out to God to see if it's the right thing for God or not, and we base it from Gideon. I, I've tried fleeces in the past, and, and you know, God always comes to me and says, the fleece isn't a positive thing, it's a negative thing. I'm just going to put a fleece out to God and see if it's right. Often God will come to me and say, well, why are you putting a fleece out? Where's the faith in the fleece? For Gideon, there had to be a miraculous take place in order for him to realize what it was that God was calling him to do. Because all he saw himself as being was the least. I believe God's calling mighty warriors out this, this evening. I believe God's saying you're a mighty warrior. And you're going, yeah, but you don't understand, God, I'm a failure and I've got this in my life and I've done that and, and you haven't seen my past. And God's saying, I've seen your past. I've seen your present and guess what? I've seen your future. And I'm calling you not based on your past. I'm calling you based on your future. I'm not calling you based on your mistakes. I'm calling you based on your victories. I'm not calling you based on the things you've got wrong. I'm calling you on the things that you're going to get right in me. I'm going to turn your mourning into dancing. I'm going to turn your tears into joy. I'm going to do all those things we sung in that incredible song. You don't see it yet, but I see it. Because my third point is this, Gideon doubted his future, but God had already seen his future. When God calls us and promises us, when he comes into our life with that calling and that promise, to him it's already happened. One of the things that myself and Dan do, I mean, our lives are incredibly busy. We're, we're not only pastoring um, a church with two sites. I'm a chief executive for Headway Southampton, which is another massive role. And, um, and we also look after um, Saints Academy Place. So we have a contract with Southampton um, and we do that because, hey, why not? And, um, and we have these, these Southampton players. We're, we're big, I'm a big Southampton fan. Dan isn't. I'm still trying to convert her to the joy of that. Stroke frustration. Um, but, you know, we're, we're, we're still in that position. And, and the thing is with Southampton, if you're a Southampton fan, you know that in 1976, Southampton won the only cup we've ever won. I remember, well, I don't remember I was one, but yeah, I was, I was alive. That's my claim to, claim to it. We won the FA Cup. We beat Man United 1-0. Oh, yeah. And because I didn't see it live, or I can't remember seeing it live, um, I've watched the video. 
And I've seen the match. And let me tell you something. For a good amount of that time, we are hammered by Man United. They are all over us. They are totally dominating the match. But we have a breakaway and we score a breakaway goal. And that's enough to win us the cup. Great victory. I can watch that knowing that Southampton are going to win. So even if Man United are pushing us back, even if Man United are, are all over us, I'm there going, I'm happily watching this because I know what's going to happen at the end. I know we're going to win. It's a bit like watching match of the day. I don't watch match of the day unless Southampton win. <laughs> what's the point? I don't want to watch us lose. But when I know Southampton are going to win, I thoroughly enjoy him watching match of the day. Even if we get battered in the highlights, as long as we score one more goal and we win at the end, it's all good. It's like that with our spiritual journey. God knows that we win in the end. You may be feeling like you're being battered right now. You may be feeling you've been battered on every single side. Let me tell you something. God knows your future. His promise to you is good. The fact that you can feast in the middle of the valley of death is because God knows you ain't staying in the valley of death. The reason Gideon, the reason God can be so confident when he calls the mighty warrior, because in God, it's already happened. In God, his promises are yes and amen. He is the alpha and simultaneously the omega. He is the beginning and simultaneously the end. This is mind-blowing. I kind of look at this and go, whoa. He was there at my birth and at my death as he was with you. To him, in eternity, everything is present. There is no beginning. There is no end. He is both the beginning and both the end. When he comes and he gives you a promise, guess what? He's already seen it. He's been able to speak to Gideon based on him being a mighty warrior because he's already seen Gideon be a mighty warrior. He's already seen him beat an army of 100,000 Midianites with 300 people that don't even have a sword. 300 guys, whatever's torch in a vase, they chuck the vase on the floor, they light their torches, and the Midianites just panic and go nuts. They fight each other. It's a huge victory. He doesn't even lose a soldier. That isn't the guy hiding in the wine press. Gideon sees the guy in the wine press. God sees the guy with 300 men producing an incredible victory through God and in God. We've got to get our vision straight. God may be speaking to you, not based on your failure, but based on what you're going to do in your future. Not based on the mistakes you've made, but the successes that he sees you performing. not based on the circumstances you find yourself in, but based on the circumstances God will use you to build and grow around you. I want you to know for some of you who feel like you're the smallest, feel like you're the most insignificant, feel like you're the most weakest, God's calling you mighty warrior. Because this is your moment. This is your day. This is your time. In the middle of difficult circumstances. 
in the middle of tough situations, it's your time to shine. Mighty warrior. Let me pray for you. Thank you, Lord. Do you want to, just going to hand over to Dan, actually. We're doing a bit of a tag, so Dan's just going to come and share a few things as well. Yeah, it's kind of different to how I felt that uh, God was going to, uh, what God was going to do um, tonight. But I feel like, um, I just want to say uh, to you guys that if you feel like you're the least, do you know what? That's actually a powerful place to be, in a sense, because you are absolutely dependent <laughs> on God. And, and I just want to share a little bit about my testimony. I, I wasn't raised a Christian. These guys have probably all heard it. I think I shared it at the youth uh, thing, but um, I wasn't raised a Christian. Uh, I didn't know anything about God. Um, but I just sensed that there, there had to be something more. Um, and it was actually my uncle that uh, was a Christian first in my family. And he, as when I was about 11, said, oh, come along to a, a youth camp thing. Um, and so off I went. And I had my first encounter with God. Like, it was an incredible encounter. And I, I just, I met with God in a real way. But went back home. And obviously at home, uh, my parents weren't Christians at that stage. They, they are now. Um, but they weren't at that stage and so I didn't know how to live a Christian life so um, I kind of done all the things that a, a teenager living in the 80s living in London uh, got involved with which was <laughs> the beginning of gang culture and all that sort of stuff and and I was kind of going down a bit of a downward spiral really um, I, I came from a good family home my parents loved me but I just got in with the wrong crowd that was it really um, and then but I got to about 15, 16. My parents decided to move from London where we were down to the New Forest. I was not impressed, let me tell you that. There was not a 24-hour garage to be seen. Um, in fact, the, the shops in our local village shut on a Wednesday. Like, what the heck is going on? And so I said to my parents, as soon as I am 16, I am leaving this place. I'm shooting back off to London. They were like, okay. By this stage, they were Christians. So they were praying for me and, and like, you know, on their knees literally every night. Um, 17 years old, I found myself in, um, in hospital actually seriously ill uh, and, and actually uh, lost a baby, um, unfortunately. And um, I wasn't in a good state. I had to have a blood transfusion. And, and I just thought actually that was the one thing I could have perhaps done well. At this stage, I'd lost who I was. I didn't know who I was. I was confused. I didn't know what my future held. I didn't know what my life was going to be about. And, and so I was in hospital, um, gutted that I'd lost this baby because I was thinking, oh, actually, I could have been a mum. I would I'd have loved to have been a mum. And they, maybe that's what my life's about. But I'd lost this baby after being in a horrible situation with a boyfriend who was abusive to me. Um, and I was pretty lost. And I remember my nan came to the hospital and visited it. And she was the biggest evangelist by this stage there was. And she gave me this book and on the front of the book said um, uh, it was Cliff Richard's book okay and on the front of the book it said smile Jesus loves you and I was like thanks man um, so that book went straight in the bedside cabinet because I thought this is going to be really embarrassing if the nurse sees that book that I'm reading a Cliff Richard book however at night time I used to sneak this book out and and 
do you know what? I never even opened that book. I'm, I need to find this book at some point to actually read it because this, cha- this book changed my life. But I didn't actually ever open the book. All it said on the front was, smile, Jesus, love, terrible. <laughs> but the tagline was, I have a plan and a purpose for you. And that moment changed my life. I was here on the, literally in the gutter, being the lowest of the low, the weakest of the weakest. I didn't know what the God was doing. I didn't know where I was heading in my life. But suddenly these words, I have a plan and a purpose for you. And something of that, and I, I remembered the encounter I had with God when I was 11 years old in the middle of a field in the middle of nowhere. Um, and, and I remember just sensing God's presence with me in that hospital room in that moment. Dan, hey, look, you've got it wrong. (laughs) You've got it wrong. And what you need to do, you need to understand I've got a plan and a purpose for you. It's about repositioning your world right now so that I can fulfill every purpose and plan I've ever had for you. You were created by me for a reason, for a purpose, for a plan, a master plan that I've got for you. And I sensed all of this, not necessarily in that, um, that those kind of words, but I sensed this in my heart that God's not finished with me. He's got a plan. And actually, I'm just on the precipice of something new. Uh, I was in that hospital. I was really poorly. Um, they were very worried about me. And uh, about a week later, I started to, to, to get better. And my blood levels were coming up and all that sort of stuff. And, and they said, right, today, you, you're, you, know, you can leave the hospital. And I'd remember that that whole week I was in hospital, it had been pouring down with rain. The weather was terrible. But the day I left the hospital, I was discharged um, from the hospital, the sun shone. And I just sensed that God was saying, it's a new day. And the sun is rising in your life today. And he's going to put a, 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 some incredible plan on and purpose in your life. And, and from then on, it was just a, a case of, him healing my heart and I went to my parents church and they couldn't believe it they were blown away that God had done this miraculous work in me but I had to make some choices I had to reposition my life I had to reposition where I was heading and and you know what I was I was addicted to to drinking and drugs and and all these things that a lot of young people (laughs) you know are today in today's society and um it, it just is the easy way to escape, you know, and and it was living an escapism life. Let's let's run away from reality, um, but you know what? God started to heal me of this stuff, and do you know what? I I gave up everything. I was just like, no, I can't do that. I've got to reposition. I've got to realign my life. I've got to focus on what God has got for me, and miraculously, I just gave it up really quickly. Apart from smoking, I still wanted to smoke. <laughs> Now, this isn't against anyone that might smoke in the room, but just for me personally, this is my experience. I still wanted to smoke. I enjoyed smoking. Why can't I smoke? You know, I was like, no, if, if I go out with my friends, I'm still going to have a fag. Do you know what God's done? As soon as I lit up a cigarette, I would physically feel sick. Physically feel sick. And it was, it was miraculous. I could not smoke, even though I wanted to smoke. And I, I didn't understand why God couldn't let me smoke. But no, even that, it was like, no, no, absolutely not. You're not doing that. <laughs> and actually, it made me feel sick, so I couldn't even smoke. And, and I was just blown away that God's done this for me. This little girl that was born to a family in London, 
the, the youngest of, of I had two older brothers, um, why would he be the one to visit me in hospital? <laughs> why would he come? Not even my boyfriend that, you know, <laughs> was meant to have that baby with me. He didn't even come and visit. Um, but Jesus came to visit me. The least of the least, um, the youngest of the family, I didn't think I was anything special at all. But do you know what he said to me that day? He said this, and it's in Psalm, sorry, it's in Song of Songs. It says this. Um, it's a bit of a love letter, so it's kind of mushy. <laughs> but this is how God sees you. He said this, my dove there in the clefts of the rock, in the sheltered and secret place of the steep pathway, let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. For your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Another version says, stop hiding away in the, in the clefts of the rock. Come out of the hiding place. Let me hear your voice and let me see your face. Let me see your face and hear your voice. For your, vo for your face is lovely. Your voice is sweet. And I believe that God's saying that to us today. Maybe to some of you here, maybe you're feeling like you're hiding away, the least of the least. How can God love me? Why would he come to me? All the things I've got wrong, all, all the stuff that I've done in my past, all the mistakes I've made, why would he come to me? And do you know what? Some Christians have even said to me, well, you should have learned. When Jesus came to you at 11 years old, you should have stuck with him then. Yeah, I should have, but I didn't. Um, I, I went my own way. <laughs> But that's fine. Do you know what? When Jesus visited me in hospital, he didn't go, yeah, see, I came to you in that field when you were 11 years old. You should have stuck with me then and you wouldn't have gone through all this. No. No, he didn't do that. He didn't. He came to me and he said, Danny, you're beautiful and you're lovely. And I've got a plan and I've got a purpose for you. And it's to do you good. And it's to do others good through you. Because you're going to understand something of what it is to live a life full of mistakes and having regrets and having issues gone wrong in your life. And you're going to be able to come alongside other people who are doing the same thing. And do you know what? I'm going to sit you and stand you in front of groups of people and speak grace to them. Where they've been listening to law and legalism and, and, and stuff that tells you all the things that you're not good at and all the things that you've done wrong. Let me tell you right now, it doesn't matter about those things. His grace is more than enough. His mercy will meet you right there in those gutter moments. Because he loves you so much. He loves us so much. He could have said all those things to me. Dan, why did you go and do that? We could have been so much further on. But no, he said, Dan, you are beautiful and you are lovely. Your voice is sweet. Your face is lovely, whichever one way around it is. <laughs> and I'm going to use you. And I've got a plan and a purpose for you. Stop hiding. Stop hiding. You know, there may be some people in this room tonight that are hiding. Maybe because you feel you're rubbish. Maybe because you feel that you've got too much in your past and you can't get past it. Maybe you're hiding away because you feel not good enough. You don't feel valuable enough. You feel like you're like Gideon, the least of the least. Let me tell you, like Tim said, you're a warrior tonight. That's how God sees you. You're a warrior. 
I'm going to ask the worship guys to come back up if that's okay. Um, and can we sing that second song we sang? Is that okay? Is that the, the um, Graves into Gardens one? Is that okay? Thank you. I just felt there was a real beautiful anointing on that song earlier on when we sung it. But what, what I really would love to do, what we'd really love to do is to pray for some of you guys this evening. If you feel like you are that one hiding away, the least of the least. Maybe you're just struggling to get over some of the stuff from your past. Whatever it looks like, I just sense that God wants to, is saying to you, come out of the hiding place. I've got beautiful things planned for you.